Welcome, fellow wine lovers. This is the Wine Ghost Podcast. I'm Mate Vash, sommelier and seeker of hidden stories behind the wine labels. For wine tasting clips and video interviews with my guests, please look for the Wine Ghost on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. But now, please grab a glass and listen to how today's ghost got out of the bottle. How can a city have a winery and to top it all, an outstanding one? Well, this time I sat down with Peter Mandel from the winery Stadt Krems, from the Kremstar region in Lower Austria. Stadt means city in German, so this winery word for word bears the name of this artistic town on the shore of the river Danube, just on the edge of the Wachau region. In this episode you can hear vintage recommendations from the area, learn about the steepest and most cherished cultivated vineyards in Krems, and how do they taste like, and of course, how does a quiet small city manage to administer such a top-notch winery that the entire city can be proud of, and of course, as always, much more. Enjoy! So, hi Peter, welcome to the Vangos podcast. Could you please shortly introduce yourself and uh, maybe tell us who you are and where, where are you sitting, maybe? Yeah, hello Mate. Thanks for inviting me to the Winegos podcast. Uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here on video and also uh, via sound. Uh, yeah, where, where am I sitting and who am I? Uh, just a small introduction to myself. My name is Peter Mandel and I'm currently working at Weingutstadt Krems. Uh, right now, I'm sitting in my flat here in Weißenkirchen in the Wachau. So, yeah. Since when uh, am I working at Weingutstadt Krems? I'm working there for now three years. And before that time, I also did an a, a internship for Harvest. That was in 2017. And after I finished my my study degree in international wine business, I started to work for Weingutstadt Krems in the sales and, and marketing. And most importantly, in the, in the export uh, part of that winery. So everything that deals with, with customers uh, all over the world in Austria or in Europe or even in Japan uh, is, uh, is my my duty to do for this winery and yeah it's definitely a, pl a pleasure to do because yeah it is an exciting winery uh, exciting estate and also a, an exciting job to bring this winery uh, closer to the people because uh, yeah that's that's our challenge and that's our our task to do is to to represent Weingutstadt Krems uh, and, and bring it closer to the people because Weingutstadt Krems has, it has a very long history, but it has a very short history, to be honest. Um, I, I'm explaining this um, later, um, yeah, sure. but yeah, that's my task <laughs> and my, my job for this winery. Please, can you explain us how a city can have a winery? Because I think it's quite unique in the world. So. Yeah, this is true. This is very true. Um, it is, there are only a few wineries with this background uh, all over the world, to be honest and to be precise, because uh, in Austria, for instance, there's only one 
or winery that has a city in the background. Um, how came that into play? Uh, that was, of course, a few hundred years ago. Um, 1210, there was a, a hospital in, in Krems uh, where, where there were yeah, a lot of people who, who need to be cared about. And back at that time, there were there wasn't any any industry or any big uh, bank uh, bank banking industry or anything else that that made made money like nowadays. Um, back then, forestry and and viticulture for 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 instance, in our area was where the most important uh, sources of income. And there was a foundation of this public hospital and this foundation of this public hospital uh, came into possession of, of vineyards. There, was, there were uh, dukes and, and very important people back at that time, dukes uh, and, and, and other people who presented and donated land uh, They donated uh, real estate uh, to this public hospital. And because of this, also in our area, they donated and, and, and presented the, uh, this public hospital with vineyards. And in 1452, that was a few hundred years later, uh, the city of Krems uh, had a significant uh, holding of, of vineyards. Uh, there was a significant... Uh, amount of vineyards and since then the city of Krems uh, has its own winery its own wine estate and, and the city is until, the single owner right the city is the single owner uh, until 2003 that was mm -hmm. 18 years ago the, the winery was the state was managed and administrated by the city so it was dependent from the politics it was mm -hmm. part of the administration of of the city and until until that uh, yeah of course this wasn't in a time after the the wine scandal this this was a big challenge to to run a, a wine company like this to be dependent on politics and, and there was in austria uh, yeah there was a big bang after the wine scandal and suddenly the, the Austrian wines were of high quality and, and sought after all over the world and Weingutstadt Krems or the, the city of Krems couldn't manage the winery properly to be in this competition. And 2003, the, the wine estate was, was, uh, it was separated from the, from the city. It is, uh, yeah, legally, uh, a private li liability company, but the city is the 100% owner of, of this winery. That's, that's our background. Mm. And do you also, or, or how does the management look like, looks like? So it's completely a separate entity, but only the, the ownership is actually belongs to the city, yes. so to say? So exactly, the, the city is the, the, the major shareholder mm -hmm. and Yeah, the winery is definitely independent of the city uh, in, in all its decisions, uh, whether to in, invest in vineyards, invest in, in land, in, in tracks, in any stuff which we want to uh, improve our wine. When we want to improve our winery, uh, we are 
totally independent because we have the trust from the city. Mm -hmm. And do you also feel that because the winery is located in the city, right? Mm -hmm. And do you we also are... feel that the population has some kind of a deeper bound maybe with the winery? So it's it really, it's our winery or so to say. Yeah, it is like this um, because that was, that is going back very long time ago. And well, somebody's calling. Uh, that is very long time ago. Uh, the city or the inhabitants of the city, they, they bought the wine of the city. And yeah, since 2003, when the wine qualities improved again, um, they were really happy. And, and right now there is a, a very good connection from mm -hmm. the people of Krems to their own wineries. So we have really trusted and loyal loyal customers, so to speak, uh, that's people of Krems and, and around Krems. Mm. And this is very important and, and it's not, not so easy because we are located really in the, in the center of, of famous wine growing regions like uh, Machau, Kamtal, Kremstal, that's where we are. And there are a lot of wineries and there's a lot of wine around and people, they get, can go to Machau to buy the wine, taking, they can go to Kamtal to buy the wine. But also in Krems, we have a, a winery and a lot of people from Krems are connected to their winery because they are the owners of this winery in the end. Yeah, that's such, a, that's such a romantic idea. I, I think it's a, it's a beautiful thing if you think about it, because as, as you said, you are in Lower Austria, really surrounded by the big names. I don't want to mention any other wineries here in this podcast, but yeah, yeah I was also in, in Krems in this city. It's a beautiful city, very artistic city also, right? So it's a very, uh, yes. a lot of museums and a it's lot a of exhibitions. It's a student city. Mm. It's actually a, a student city. There are five or six universities uh, on in a city with mm. 25,000 inhabitants. So a very smaller, wow. small city actually. And yeah, and there's of course a lot of culture and a lot of wine culture. And we are happy to have yeah, the loyal customers of, of the city of Krems who respect uh, and, and, and are also happy to have good wines like at our winery. Yeah, sure. And so could you please uh, briefly describe the, the Krems terroir or, or the specific microclimate or the terroir that you have? And maybe where, where are your vineyards located? Yeah, uh, you know, you have to, you need to have the impression of, of the Kremstal area, which is divided by the Danube River. So let me quickly, uh, to be honest, I haven't anything prepared, any graphics, but I, I quickly search for something. Yeah, you so. have to see on this graphic, um, you have the city of Krems. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm pointing with my cursor. And mm -hmm. you have the, the Danube River, which separates the this wine growing region in a in the southern part. Um, mm -hmm. that's in this area, and then this is the northern part. And all the vineyards of Weingutschta Krems are located in this area, in really within the city limits of, of Krems, so within the, the city borders. So all the vineyards are actually located in Krems. In this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the terroir is very, very uh, distinctive and distinct. 
Um, you have, of course, in this area, in the western part, uh, very close to the Danube, you have Stein, which is a district of Krems. And there you have very similar to Wachau, or in fact, it's actually the same same geological uh, massive. Uh, you have very steep vineyards, very tiny terraces, and the subsoil is just uh, prime, primordial rock. So just simply hard rocks, crystalline rocks that are the foundation of, of, of very mineral wines. In the middle part of Krems, which is uh, going to the north and uh, in this area where the actual Krems River is, is, is flowing. So this is the, the Krems River, where the, this wine growing region has its name from. Um, in this part, there is a lot of gravel, a lot of gravel soil. The elevation is very high. So this goes up to 400 meters and therefore you have a a very cool part of, of this area. The, the ripening is definitely later than, than in other parts, than in most of the other parts of, of Krems and Kremstal. And then you have on the eastern part, the area around Krems and Rohandorf, between Krems and Rohandorf, which is flat, which is uh, very dominated by, by Löss. So a very light and fertile and sandy soil mm. so these are the three parts uh, and three areas where the wines and uh, in, in in more in detail where Grüner Wettliner has uh, different characteristics and you have about 40 hectares right now if I'm not mistaken yes right? um, our our estate uh, cultivates 40 hectares 30 hectares are cultivated Grüner Wettliner, so mm -hmm. 75% uh, is the, the major share of, of Grüner Wettliner. Then we have uh, around seven hectares of Riesling, and the rest of the three hectares are their Chardonnay, their uh, Pinot Blanc, their many different varieties and, and small, very small vineyards. So it's, these are rather specialities. Mm. And how old are, are your vineyards, like in average? In average, the vineyards are around 20 to 25 years. Mm -hmm. So in 2003, when the winery was restructured, a lot of vineyards were, were planted newly and were recultivated. Um, and therefore, most of the vineyards are yeah, around 20 years old. Um, but right now we are also, it, it is an ongoing process since then. We're, there are a lot of vineyards that, that are planted newly, that are recultivated in, in terraced vineyards. So this is the, the, main, the main job in the vineyards to get vineyards back in shape, to get vineyards productive and fertile and healthy. And, and this is the main task. And, and, and which, this, this goes on for for a lot of years still. Yeah. And which varieties are you planting now? Or if you are replanting, you replant always the same varieties. So you concentrate on Wettliner and Riesling, or you maybe we are, even experiment with other varieties. Uh, no, we we rather plant Grüner Wettliner and Riesling. Uh, it depends on the on the on the vineyard and the location 
um, in rather uh, very meager and crystalline soils, uh, we plant Riesling. And whenever there's a little bit more of, of humus and, and earth layer, we plant Grunewitlina. Mm. But yeah, maybe uh, when, the, when the soil type uh, allows it, we, we plant maybe another, another variety too. So Pinot Blanc is a variety which may have a potential for the future, but on a large scale, uh, Grunewaldlina is most important variety for us. And also not only in the production, but probably as, as the face of the region, right? Exactly. Because uh, if you look at Kremstal area and the protected designation Kremstal DSC, uh, Grunewaldlina and Riesling are the only varieties that uh, are designated for Kremstal DSC. Mm -hmm. And if you want to write the terroir or the, the name of the vineyard or the name of the village on your on your labels, uh, you have to you need to have Kremstal DSC, and therefore you need to have uh, Grunewaldlina and Riesling as your varieties, which makes sense because um, yeah. This is the, these are the varieties that grow best in our area, that work best in our area, and that can reflect through the wines, through as a wine can reflect this area the best. Um, and also, yeah, all the other wineries and estates, they, they plant Grünewald, Lina and Riesling because this is the variety that, that has, uh, uh, that's, that's made, that's uh, a general marketing. To, uh, to be honest, um, the stronger or uh, the more wineries uh, sell Grünewaldlina and 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 bottle Grünewaldlina or Riesling, the the stronger it gets, and the stronger we can grow as creme style area. Yeah, because you also are kind of responsible for export, right? And you, this winery, if I'm not mistaken. This is all more like export oriented, right? So most of your production goes to Exactly. So right? we we export almost two thirds of our production, um, and therefore in the export, uh, of course, you need to need to have uh, identification with with your area. And and when when you go to Germany, uh, people know Krems and the city of Krems, and they rather know uh, a Grüner from Krems than they know uh, Muscaris from Krems, right? So Austria and our regions are famous for Grünewaldlina. Yeah. If you go to Burgundy, you know Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. That's mm. also the same thing. Yeah. So you can definitely plant a lot of things and a lot of funny things. But yeah. You need to have you, a face. <laughs> you need to have a face. Yeah. yeah. And you also export to, to Asian countries, right? Yeah, on a on a small scale because scale. yeah, this is uh, a very challenging market. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a total different, uh, totally different culture, mm. uh, as you know. And if you do not have any a lot of contacts and good contacts there, it's very difficult to sell. So yeah, mm. of course the potential is is great uh, if you. If you make the easy calculation, for instance, in China, in China, if, if there are 
if one Chinese drinks one bottle of wine from your winery each year, you can easily calculate. But yeah, that's that's always a, a that's always a, a dream, so to speak, or a, a, yeah. Because but I also, right, I also right. had the great pleasure to, to sorry to interrupt, but I, I, I was thinking of Asia because uh, I also had the great pleasure to try your wines a few weeks ago because uh, you were at the you know, hotel and uh, showed me some beautiful wines. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of had to think of Asian cuisine a little bit because your wines were mm -hmm. so crystalline and crisp and kind of also the Rieslings, I, I think they had a particular or the Riesling in general, the grape variety has a great potential to pair with Asian cuisine. Mm. So yeah, I, for instance, if you Japan is a really really good market for Riesling, just because of the food and the wine and the pairing and the combination, mm. and yeah, that's why Japan is actually the only significant country where we we export mm. to in Asia, just because of the the Riesling thing. And the Riesling uh, combination with Asian food, and yeah, it, it also depends, of course, on also Asia. This these are third countries, so to speak, uh, also in terms of trade. And mm -hmm. Japan has uh, has a trade agreement with Europe. That's why it's also easier to to export to Japan, for instance. And yeah, but nevertheless, it's all based on on, on contacts uh, which you have there and mostly if you go there it's austrian or german or people that that are born in austria and germany um, that are your contacts to to get there and if you want to to go there do you, you need to have you need to understand the culture and you need to also invest money and you need to invest a lot of time and yeah that that doesn't uh, doesn't happen in a just a year or two that that works way longer yeah, and the pandemic doesn't help either probably <laughs> yeah so yeah it's it's very challenging if we were uh, already talking about maybe your wine style or what i experienced how would you maybe describe your winemaking signature or if i should think about or if someone should think about the style or the wine style of Strat Krems, or maybe in a blind tasting, if you mm -hmm. if you're gonna try different wines from Krems, also from Kremstar, maybe from the region, how would you describe maybe this quality or maybe some of your signature vineyards? Yeah, our our focus uh, is definitely to make crystal clear wines with precise fruit. So. Um, all our wines are fermented and aged in stainless steel, besides uh, a few Grüner Wettliner, but a Riesling, for instance, is 100% fermented and aged in stainless steel. And we want to have a really puristic and crystal clear style. That's why our wines um, have definitely always uh, a good acidity structure. And in the first few months after bottling, they're they're less approachable. They open up after half a year to year. It just depends on the on the quality level where we are speaking about. But in the end, we, we focus on, on a fine varietal fruit character and uh, a crystalline character because 
that's what our our soils give. They they have a lot of uh, minerals in the soil. We try to 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 also show that in the wines to have a, a very uh, yeah bone dry character. So all our wines are below five grams of residual sugar, um, and yeah, that's where where we are, are happy about. That I can confirm. So I also had uh, all of what you said actually, but I also had the mm. uh, the opportunity last time to taste also all the vintages. I think Grillen parts. That, that's yes. what we, that's what we tasted, right? And uh, also, Grillen, we we tasted Riesling Grillen parts, exactly. and we had a, a vertical which showed very good um, the 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 state uh, the 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 development of the of the of the drinking window, to, so to speak. Uh, you know, after a few years, the the wines really open up and are a, a pleasure and have a, a charming fruit. But if you drink twenty uh, vintage twenty twenty now, which I didn't present to you, but which uh, is very is really closed right now, and mm. our wines they they definitely need a little time. They're definitely they're 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 approachable. But they're less approachable than in in a few years, and a few years uh, bottle aging time. Yeah, and they gain tremendous complexity also. So the your vines, but but you showed me in the in the youth maybe they were more like fruit forward, and as as they age, they had uh, they gained such a depth and so an, an inorganic element really. So this really stony element of minerality, if you want to call it, but it's, it's, I'm sure it's mm. also some kind of reduction probably. That's why your, your vines are not um, so approachable maybe in the youth, but it's, uh, yeah, I think that these vines are probably also in this, yeah, indestructible, I would say. So they, they could age very well. Yes. Yeah. What, what was yeah. maybe the oldest what you tried? In, in Krems, uh, the oldest was 1960, uh, which we have in our winery in the in the Vinotech, in the in the treasury. Um, back then, they had uh, uh, different varieties like Neuburger and Muscato Tonel. They had they had had other varieties, mm -hmm. but what can you what you can see is uh, in 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 years and vintages where the yields are rather low the wines are definitely more ageable so the ageability is i think uh, from from the, from these experiences closely connected to to the yield and and yeah and also to the acidity structure and that's why we work also in these times uh, with with good acidity structure so also vetlina grüne vetlina needs to have uh, around six grams of acidity, mm. which is, which is maybe some people perceive a little too high because it's too straightforward and too, yeah, too hard maybe. Mm. But acidity gives life to the wine, and acidity also uh, lets the wine uh, age very good. Yeah, for sure. And also, all of your vetliners because the vetliner has usually. Yeah, I would say, or in my experience, you know, probably this better, but it has at least one gram of acidity less than a Riesling in average, I would say, right? 
So it has yes. probably more less acidity and maybe less vertical, more broader mouthfeel mm. in general. But you, all of your wines, uh, what because I also had uh, the opportunity, I think two years ago, approximately, to taste uh, in the mm. in the first lockdown. <laughs> we had yes, or, or, yes. or, or uh, before the oh, before it the was first a one lockdown. one year ago actually. It oh, okay. One year ago, I think October in this time. Yeah, probably so, more than and, a year. Uh, and I also tried the Overtliners, and they also had a, a really good verticality. So they were verticality. I, I mean, so it they were not broad. Or, yeah, straightforwardness and very not harsh, but really like precise wines, really. And uh, I think that's very. It's not so easy to find in in Kremstal, I would say it's uh, more. Some Vatliners are a little bit more broader mouthfeel and a little bit more not vertical but horizontal wine, I would say. But all of your Vatliners mm, yeah, are very fresh. I would say uh, approachable and and rather charming, yeah, yeah. and and fruit forward. Um, but is that that is very true that also for Vatlina our style goes. Uh, Towards a straightforward direction to a to a mineral and and mm. and good acidity structure and mm. people in Austria at least uh, have to come clear with this. If you go to other countries, um, for instance, Scandinavian countries or also maybe to UK or in this area, they 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 like this acidity structure. Mm. So, because they they perceive also this this mineralic background, and yeah, but in Austria, of course, you people in general, yeah, it's always in general, but there are ex, uh, there are exceptions, but in general, they they like more uh, a rounder style, a creamier mm. style, more approachable, not not a wine that kind of hurts, you know, that that, that you feel actually mm. that has life. Yeah, it's like energizing, really. Yeah, charging wines. Yeah, and uh, could you please introduce your your premier tree, so to say? Yeah, so your erste lagers, maybe, or 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 the wines what you really enjoy uh, in your portfolio. Yeah, our portfolio is based on, of course, the the top of our our portfolio are the single vineyards. If you talk about origin, uh, the most High, or the highest standards are the single vineyards. And as we are a member of ÖTV, Österreichische Traditionsweingüter, mm. our highest standards are the Erste Lage wines. Yeah, this is our absolute top level of wines. We have two of these. Uh, we have one Grüner Wettliner and one Riesling, uh, Riesling Grillenparts, uh, where we talked about earlier, and Grüner Wettliner Wachberg. So these are our major and most important uh, vineyard names uh, also in the in the heads of 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 the people of Krems so yeah we are proud and and happy to cultivate vineyards there um, at Wachberg we, we cultivate around two hectares at Grillbads we cultivate 3.5 hectares and yeah the wines uh, if you if you taste them blind, uh, you always know the best lot in every vintage comes from one of these vineyards. Mm -hmm. For Grüner Wettliner, the best the best lots they come 
from, from Wachberg and the best lots from Riesling come from Grillenbad. Also blind, when we taste them blind, we know, okay, they have lots of character and they have their personality. Mm. And why? So, what do you think is the reason? Um, they have a lot of complexity also in the in the youth and a lot of you know that you feel the character they have they have a personality you you know them for a, a long time and in in every year uh or in, let's say in nine out of ten years the best wines come from this place come from these places because they have uh from from a climatic point of view from a geological point of view they have the 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 properties to grow a uh, good grapes and in the end to make uh, top wines the conditions there they are good you could see that in 2021 so in in the current vintage which we finished uh more than a month ago now where uh, the, the ripening was very late um the harvest was very late and yeah it, at grill parts for instance it's a very high elevated vineyard uh, with lots of wind and yeah and very important is it's it's very high up uh, on the hill so one month ago we we had the first frost mm -hmm. we had the first frost and frost is always in the in the lower vineyards in the very flat vineyards and there when you have frosts the leaf the leaves turn brown the leaves fall the, the grapes which are still hanging they they get they don't get any nutrients anymore yeah mm. and the the nutrient supply is is dead when you have frost and at green parts you don't have any frost because it's high up mm. and this is also a reason why uh, these vineyards always produce special quality you always mm. can have top grapes over there and top grapes are the, the basis for top wines. Hmm. And Grill Lampartis has done a more puristic, stony, meager soil than uh, Wachberg? No, it's then Wachberg. You know, at Wachberg, at Wachberg, you have a lot of gravel, mm -hmm. you, but you also have uh, a good amount of soil, of, of less soil. Uh, and on grill parts, it's it's different. You have um, you have very fine fine uh, gravel in the in the upper soil, and then you have uh, a compact uh, compact um, compacted gravel. Uh -huh. So gravel stones that were compressed over millions of years. So it is very compact, and uh, the, the, this soil can't store water so good. Mm -hmm. But Riesling has very strong roots and can go through these compact stones. Mm -hmm. So this is the difference in, in, in soil between these two vineyards and why uh, Wachberg grows good on Grünewettliner also grows good on Wachberg and Riesling grows, grows mm -hmm. good on Riesling. But on Grillparts, you can also have uh, broader wines. That's just dependent on the on the fruit, on the on the ripeness of the vintage, and on the on the yeah on the sun sun time, the, the sun that, that the the wines and the grapes gain throughout the year. So in a in a year like 2018, for instance, you had a, a very dry, a warm, and a hot year, and the wines can can be brought too. The acidity is, is still high. Uh, the residual sugar is low, 
but the wines can from the perception can be let's say a little bit broader than in in years like 2014 which was totally different which was lots of rain lots of uh, cool temperatures where you can have really yeah bone dry and and as acidic rieslings mm. So it's just dependent on the on the vintage and on the year. And yeah, I think that that does not come from the soil. And other than your single vineyards, what uh, what other bottlings do you have? We have two more significant single vineyards, which we also label and, and bottle as a single vineyard wine. Uh, that is uh, Ried Weinzirlberg. Uh, is a, it is a a vineyard that, that is located within the city. So the houses and uh, a hospital and whatever around this vineyard, schools. And yeah, it is from the, from the altitude a little bit lower because it's located in the city, right? Um, and therefore you have um, a rather early ripening. And this wine... Uh, is very good suited for Grüner Wettliner because you have you have a, a fertile soil of 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 Lös, but in the in the deeper uh, layers of this vineyard you also have uh, a gravel you have uh, primary rocks so Grüner Wettliner can also gain a little bit uh, the minerals of the soil so mm. it's a very special vineyard for Grüner Wettliner because uh, because the ripening is is rather early and the alcohol and the sugar levels are not too high mm -hmm. so you have a rather elegant wine you have an elegant wine at around 12.5 13 point alcohol and and that makes it very charming and 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 yeah i think a, a modern style uh, which people and sommeliers prefer in these times uh, not too high alcohol, not too much extraction and 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 power. So, Weinzelberg uh, would be the wine wine for these wine drinkers. Mm. And then you have one more single vineyard that is Ritschreck. Um, this is our our youngest project. Uh, it is a, a vineyard or a. We, we, we could purchase a, a parcel in this vineyard uh, five years ago now. And yeah, it is the steepest cultivated vineyard in Krems. So you can imagine this is a, a terroir suited for Riesling. So we have uh, a tiny parcel over there with Riesling and it's uh, yeah from the subsoil, it's from the, from the humus and the, the upper soil is just half a meter. Yeah. It's just like, just like this very very small layer of, of, of humus and soil, and right beneath is also already uh, a slate soil, a slate, a slate uh, like you have in in Mosel, uh, Germany, as a Mosel area in Germany, and yeah, for Riesling this is very very exciting. Um, this is this is a, a vineyard where you have a uh, lots of always lots of acidity and lots of, of, of intensity from, from the acid. So yeah, this is a, also a, I would say a, 
a single vineyard and a, and and a wine that is suited and uh, and and made for wine freaks and wine lovers. Mm. Mm. So that's the, you would say that this is maybe the most uh, yeah sparse, more uh, more most inorganic wine, more most stony wine maybe, or most uh, yes, nervous yes, wine yes, maybe yes. in the portfolio. Mm. Definitely, it is uh, in the in the first few months uh, you really can feel when there is almost no fruit yeah uh -huh. <laughs> and just minerals and acidity uh, it is very difficult i would say for a for a, a wine drinker that that is not not into this matter and into this uh, wine who is not a, a wine freak hmm. but the wine freaks understand this wine and <laughs> since we since we have this wine just uh, we just finished uh, the sixth harvest uh, in this vineyard so we we don't have these uh, these experiences from from the ageability but we are sure that this wine is definitely more even more ageable than Grillenparts Riesling and this is also then see, a very young planting no actually this is our oldest vineyard because mm -hmm. we took over this vineyard And in, in there, also in this vineyard, we have uh, wines planted 45 years ago. So almost 50-year-old wines. Uh, this is our oldest vineyard. Um, the upper parts we planted this year in 2020, in May, new. Because, yeah, in these in this parts, they, the, the wines, they weren't that, that productive anymore. They were really old and weak. Mm. But in the upper parts, uh, yeah, we have our oldest wines, which are really, really productive and really good. So, yeah, we will see in the future how it how it works. And yeah, I, I'm sure that this vineyard and this wine, uh, yeah, just uh, um, makes ageability even better and even more possible. And which wine is your favorite? If you want to That's choose this, to say, to one, be one wine from your portfolio, I would go. This always changes because <laughs> it just depends on the situation. But in general, I would say uh, Weinzilberg is my favorite wine because, yeah, I prefer this style to have elegant and 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 not too intense wines and still which is a wine which has a lot of character. So that's that's the, the wine that, that is suited for all kinds of occasions. It is suited for having a, a small vertical or a small wine tasting. Then it's suited for having a nice dinner. It's suited for any kinds of, of occasions. Mm -hmm. So that's your go-to, so to say. That's my go-to. Mm -hmm. That's what and, I always recommend, and of, but of course, a Riesling Schreck or a Riesling Krimpatz also has its uh, nice facets and mm -hmm. and opportunities to to drink too. So if I would uh, make a high end tasting and I want to bring a wine of Weingutstag Krems blind, uh, I would take a, a Krimpatz or a, a, a Schreck, for mm -hmm. instance. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Just and depends what, on the opportunity. 
on the occasion, yeah. And if you are talking about verticals, which which vintages were maybe the best ones in the last 15 years, I would say? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the ones that you have tasted, um, mm. uh, 2015 and 2019, I mean, these are, these are warm, uh, warm years and uh, very ripe years but and in the beginning people always say and also sommeliers and wine connoisseurs that this is very broad and very heavy weighted but in the long run this these wines they gain their elegance they gain their complexity and these are the wines that i'm definitely sure are also very good for aging and yeah these are, for instance, vintages I, I have in mind now, which are really, really, really good. Mm -hmm. um, but also, of course, the, the, the cool climate vintages like 2014, 2016, 2020. And they also have their charm because these uh, vintages are very uh, fruit forward. Uh, they, when, you, when you drink them aged, Mm -hmm. They're they, they have a nice charming fruit. They don't have these this intense and, and complex power. Mm -hmm. And they have a nice play on, on acidity and, and fruit. And that's why these vintages are also they also have the charm. Yeah, for sure. The, to be honest, I, I um, it, maybe it's a little bit off topic, but I, I really like to drink uh, colder vintages when they are aged. I think they gain, um, or I've, I've experienced that older, older, cooler vintages can age really, really well. And they just let go of this, um, yeah, slightly maybe unripe character or what's maybe lacking for, for the general public, this really ripe fruit quality, right? This mm -hmm. really a lot of primary notes. And they, when you want to drink an aged wine, especially white wine, but also red wine. But I think especially white wine, you you expect a kind of, um, <laughs> not really minerality, but it's kind of a dried yellow fruit quality with a little bit of skin quality and minerality, like a, a lot of secondary mm -hmm. notes, right? And I think cooler vintages can, can show these qualities a little bit better maybe or more intensively because they they already had these characters in them so to say so mm -hmm. the old uh, so the really warm vintages or hot vintages so as probably 15 was pro for example so they had a more primary fruit characters right also in the use i don't know i, I didn't taste the 15 when it's when it was young but they they are probably very also very different I, I when, when they are aged right <laughs> I get your point and I totally of the same opinion. Um, it's always a question of uh, what, how they approach and what wine drinkers they approach. Hmm. If you pre prefer uh, a really intense fruit, you would definitely need to choose the, the warmer vintages. But if you uh, want to have elegant fruit and you, you want to have that acidic and uh, salinity and, and saltiness yeah. and, and flow with mm. a little bit of, of, of phenolics, uh, then you definitely go more for the cool vintages, mm. clearly. So it, it's just what, what you like to prefer. But I think uh, 
the drinking flow is definitely uh, easier with cooler vintages because mm -hmm. the fruit is not too too intense and also the phenolics with acidity they they give a a nice drive yeah yeah for sure and uh, uh what do you prefer in your free time what uh, well, how would you define a great wine and what do you, what do you drink in your free time for for pleasure so to say <laughs> yeah i i like to and i like wines from 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 real hand workers, uh, wineries that that work really, where the wine grower really is in the in the vineyard itself and works really hard. Um, preferably, uh, to be honest, uh, biodynamic and organic wines, mm. because this is a, a approach of viticulture that that thrives for for quality uh, grapes and for quality wines uh, that enhances and, and improves the, the quality of the of the vineyards and the grapes um, but in the end it, it has to be made really good it, i go for balanced wines uh, where you have a nice balance between acidity and, and fruit um, yeah any reach I, I, I drink actually from any region any wine so I have no no clear preference. Uh, the wine has to be made good, and there has to be a, a, a crafted and handcrafted approach, and that's what I prefer. But yeah. if you ask, uh, and if I had to decide, of course, I'm more the the Pinot Noir and Riesling guy. Um, yeah, and what I also prefer is to have. To have wines from from the orange origins. So, mm. if you, for instance, Pinot Noir, I, I really prefer from Burgundy. I prefer Riesling from Germany. So the autochtone character, mm -hmm. um, I really enjoy. Although there are also wines from from the New World that are uh, exceptional. So, yeah, I'm yeah, really sure. open-minded. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think it's sort of probably also very important in your job, right? If that you stay open-minded, kind of, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, you also you always need to have your eyes and ears open and and taste and 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 learn, and yeah. And what brings then? What brings the future for the for Stadtkrams? What do you think? Or what, what are your plans? Maybe because you already mentioned organic or biodynamic viticulture. Now you are sustainably certified, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. right? Do you also have plans yes. to maybe go towards these organic or biodynamic practices, or or maybe buy more vineyards? So what are maybe your plans for the for the near future? Mm -hmm. um, this is a good point. So we're right now. The, the strategy and future is definitely not to increase the vineyard surface anymore. So at 40 hectares now, we are really at a very high level and it is re really difficult to, yeah, to, yeah, because, you know, in, in, in viticulture, if you have a, a certain quality standard and quality level, um, vineyard working capital isn't that easy to find anymore. And therefore, uh, increasing the vineyard surface is not the not the strategy. So what we like to do is definitely to go more into detail to improve the quality of the work. And 
in turn, of course, uh, organic uh, is definitely uh, one of the next steps. Mm. The future will uh, show us how quick and how easy that goes and how, but we're on a really good way. Um, but as I've told, uh, right now we're in the, in the, in the phase and in the period of recultivating vineyards, um, yeah, bringing vineyards back to life simply, um, because yeah, the vineyards, which we took over in 2003, definitely weren't that, that, uh, didn't have the high standards we, we have right now anymore but uh, when you want to know how we work in the vineyard so we do not use any herbicides insecticides pesticides so plant protection is is conventional but in the end uh, also the soil work we work with green cover we work with compost uh, these are standards that are i think uh, if you have uh, a certain reputation which are normal right now mm. and the difference then in the end is, do you have a organic certification, uh, which means that you protect your plants with copper and sulfur or not? And right now we are not that, not capable to also to go into the vineyards uh, that often uh, to, to spray uh, yeah, at uh, once a week, so mm. to speak, in a, in a very critical year. Mm. We're not ready for this for that now, but we will definitely be in the next five to ten years, the latest. It's, and it becomes continue. standard because yeah. it's, it becomes standard because if you look right now, how many wineries uh, are trying and uh, going for the organic uh, viticulture you can clearly see that and and right that the speed and the rate that that goes with this right now uh, you can clearly say in at, in at least uh, 15 years 15 to 20 years this is minimum standard yeah i think so too because good <laughs> yeah i mean you have to care about your soil this is yeah. the most important capital you have and uh, if you if you have a lively soil, you can uh, the the wines can can uh, feed themselves from the soil. You don't need to push that much anymore from the from from the outside. You don't need to need to fertilize uh, that that much. And so yeah, it becomes to it needs to become a a whole system, a holistic system. For sure, and also sustainable. So. Maybe you won't also want to leave your children or grandchildren the same kind of great parcels or crews what you have now. So, I mean, this is a really good point because in our situation, we are not a family that owns the, the vineyard, so, but we do have to give the vineyards to the next generation still. Mm. Um, and we are in a situation where uh, the, there is a city behind. And of course, the city also needs to have a, a, a wish to, to have a really healthy winery. Sure. And the vineyards are the, the capital of the winery. Yeah. You kind of have almost more responsibility in your shoulder than, than a conventional winery, right? Because you are also the Aushängeschild, so, so the kind of face of the, of the city 
so to say also yeah. and uh, yeah I've, this is this we we are we're definitely a role model for the region mm. and if you look uh, at the at our interns for instance there are lots of interns who do their first or second internship well that's that's uh, interns from from the area which have their own mm. which have their own um their own winery at home mm. and we are the first first uh, winery to go to for an internship and that makes us proud too and sure. we have to be you have to yeah give them very good skills on the way mm. um yeah and and also what i wanted to to bring back is or come back to because we're uh, a winery that owned that a, a city owns that is owned by a city um we we are not not that uh quick when it comes on on jumping on on this train and this train mm. so we're not not that that quick to to follow uh, the trends and 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 modern things so because we can't we we need to have a, a stable uh, a stable strategy and a, sta a stable development we can't decide now okay uh natural wine things are the deal now we need to make natural wines in two years so this is not possible for us so we we have a certain Responsibility, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, I think it's also an advantage, maybe, right? If you think about it, because you don't, because if you see uh, a lot of posts on Instagram about natural wine, or maybe rosé is a trend now, or I don't know, PV grape varieties, or I don't know what what is trending now. But uh, I think it's also in the long run, maybe it's also an advantage that you don't have a CEO or you don't have a and maybe a young mind on, on in your cellar that says, oh, okay, I, I, I saw a lot of natural wine in the market, as you mentioned, so what? we have to jump on this train, as you, as you referred to. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it brings also a very constant, quality-minded and uh, um, well-thought-out portfolio, right? Because mm -hmm. if, you, if you buy Stadtkrams, this is the kind of quality and also this is the kind of process and philosophy also behind the wines, right? So I think it's also, it's maybe also for your disadvantage, but also I, I see it as, a, as an advantage, to be honest. Mm. So. Yeah, we see it as an advantage too. And yeah, what we have is reliable quality. And you build up uh, your name and your brand over a long, longer period and longer time. And yeah, of course, we, we rather like to have a, a longer goal and have a slower development uh, to that goal and then just jump, you know, two meters high, uh, jump three meters down and mm. again. So yeah. we, we rather have a slow and stable development than like this. Yeah. No, it's good to hear. And I think you are, uh, you are on a good, good path to to assure that, to be honest, and also maybe for the Austrian market and also probably also for the export markets or mostly for the export markets, you, you've established yourself as a, as a stable go-to. We, <laughs> we have, yeah, we are on a really good path. We have uh, customers that are really satisfied with our work and with our wines and the prices and 
uh, our approach and this is the most important thing and we we do not feel any pressure and we can develop our strategy and idea will be there in the future too so that we're we're really on a on a on a good good environment that's a beautiful last sentence so let it be <laughs> So yeah, Peter, <laughs> well, thank you uh, really much for your time. Do you want to say something maybe as a last sentence or you last wish for the for the listeners? Um yeah. The, my wish is to meet a lot of young people in in Krems and other wine festivals and restaurants and wherever to and I want to I want them to to try the wines. I want them to, yeah, when they have wish, wishes or they would like to do anything at the winery, they want to see the winery, they, they just can come back to us, um, to me or my colleagues. We are there for you. And yeah, I just hope to see a lot of uh, young faces uh, getting the idea for Weingutstadt Krems and uh, getting the idea for the wines of our winery. And yeah, this is my only wish. Perfect, let it be. Okay, Peter, thank you very much and have a beautiful evening. And I hope to hope to taste your your recent vintages soon. <laughs> yes, hope to see each other soon. Yeah. Thanks, Mate. And yeah, good thank luck you. for this winter. And yeah, I mean it's all also summer at your hotel and all the best and yeah, work hard. Yeah, you too. We Thank see you very much. Soon. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Ciao, ciao. Did you like this episode and want to hear more? Then please leave your rating on iTunes under the channels page that will help others to find this content in the deep sea of podcasts available. Please consider supporting the quality improvement of this content on the Bangles Patreon side via the link in the description where you can get exclusive access to a number of things by donating a few euros or dollars a month. Like my guest list in advance, you can also ask questions from the guests, an invitation-only monthly roundup, a hidden fee of interesting wine content, and much more. You could also recommend me new guests, or just get in contact via the email address in the description, or contact me on the Bangos Instagram or Facebook site directly. Believe me, I don't bite. See you soon, and keep on enjoying the ghosts.